You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Ho, 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 and welcome to A Very Bookstorian Christmas. On this episode, I have a chat to some of my favorites from season one of the podcast. I talk to Ali from episode two at What the Dickinson. I also speak to Kira from episode six at Bitches Who Brunch With Books. And I also talk to Adele from episode nine at pages.with.dell. We have a chat, all things Christmas, reflect back on 2020, and we also discuss Inner Holidays by Christina Lauren. And just a warning, there are definitely some spoilers. Hello and welcome to the Bookstore and Podcast, ladies. Hi. Hi. We are recording a very special Christmas episode of the podcast today, and I'm joined with some of my favourites from throughout season one. So we have Ali from at What the Dickinson, Kira from at Hello. Bitches Who Brunch With Books. Hi. And Adele from at pages.with.adele. Hi, everyone. So we're going to start with our traditional icebreaker question. And that one today is, what book do you hope is in your Santa stocking on Christmas Day? Ali, what book do you hope you've got in your Santa stocking? Hi, um, I am hoping for A Promised Land by Barack Obama, probably because it's the hardcover is so expensive and it would be great to receive it as a gift. I think it's like 800 pages or something. Yeah. And the audiobook is like over 40 hours long, I think. I th- that one has just been floating around the socials for so long, but I think I'd really like to listen to it as an audiobook because he narrates it. Yeah, that would be really good. I love Becoming by Michelle Obama. That was lovely. I love reading biographies this time of year as well. Yeah, I think because we get so reflective about what we've done this year or what we might like to do next year and having a a biography or a memoir is a really nice way of reflecting um, on ourselves as well and looking for something from it that reflects on us. Kira, what about you? What do you hope is in your Santa stocking? I'm a sucker for any cloth bound classic. So (laughs) it doesn't matter who it's by, what it is, (laughs) just get it on my shelf. And what about you, Adele? What do you hope is in your Santa stocking? Uh, I also have A Promised Land by Barack Obama on my wish list this Christmas. Um, just seems like a nice Christmas gift to receive because it is expensive, but also it's, it's just like a nice book for somebody to give you as a gift, I think. It's probably a really good one for anyone who doesn't have a Christmas idea, I reckon. I, I don't think anyone wouldn't enjoy that book. Um, but then to mix it up a bit, I've also been on the hunt for My Name is Why, which is by Lem Sisse, and that's a bit of a memoir as well. And I can't find it anywhere in Melbourne, so I'm hoping somebody may have ordered it for me, but we'll see. Yep, well, hope, hopefully Santa and his elves have been really busy and made you your own copy. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm really hoping for These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Um, I know I have seen it everywhere on my bookstagram at the moment, but I particularly love that it's a retelling of Romeo and Juliet set in Shanghai. So I love anything that kind of transforms Shakespeare and makes it relevant um, to us today. So I'm really hoping uh, that that one is under the Christmas tree in my Santa stocking on Christmas Day. 
Uh, we've spoken about what we hope is in our Santa stockings on Christmas Day, but do you guys have any ideas for people who are non-readers uh, that you might actually buy them for Christmas? It's really hard to buy a non-reader a book because you're not quite sure. You ask someone what they like to read and they say, oh, I'll read anything. But so, I, yeah, I tend to choose like popular ones that I know a lot of people like. Like, are you recently buddy read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig? And like all of us really enjoyed it and we have like quite diverse reading tastes. So, um, yeah, it's really like a heartwarming um, tale about libraries and about second chances. And it's a little bit similar to the book we're discussing today, actually, but I think it pulled it off a little bit better, but we'll talk about that later. What about you, Kara? Is there anything that you would suggest buying a non-reader for Christmas? Um, I kind of went with an Australian author, um, Trent Dalton and Boy Swallows Universe. I know it's a little bit tricky to get into at the start, but I just think there's so many people who just find that book so mind-blowing um, and being an Australian author and his first one, it's just a, a nice one for people to have on their shelves as well, I think, and beautiful cover. <laughs> and Adele? Uh, well, for anyone who's been following along on my Instagram page, the last few weeks I have been seriously plugging the Nevermore series um, by Jessica Townsend she's also an Australian author um, they're a middle age sort of aim book which I think I mean I read it and I'm 26 and I loved it so I think it's suitable for any age group um, it's just really easy to get into it's a little bit of an escape a little bit of magic but some messages that are really relevant to our lives at the moment in keeping with the Australian theme, um, it's my book of the year and similar to you in the Nevermore series, Adele, uh, The Happiest Man on Earth by Eddie Yaku. I cannot go past it and I have definitely already bought that for a number of people for Christmas because uh, it just, it, anyone who's lived through any kind of trauma uh, really should read it because uh, it's just so filled with hope and so incredibly inspiring. I think this time of year, as I said a little bit earlier, we start to kind of reflect on the year that's been. And in particular, as readers, we usually think about what would be my favourite book of the year. So I've definitely just said mine, um, Being the Happiest Man on Earth by Eddie Yaku. Adele, you can go first. What do you think has been your favourite read of 2020? Um, I really loved, I read it way, way, way back in the start of the year, um, but it stuck with me. It's not anything with any, you know, super strong messaging. It was a thriller um, in the clearing by JP Pomer, and he's recently just had a new book come out, I think it maybe two days ago or yesterday. Um, yeah, it was just a thriller, but it was just so much more in depth than other thrillers I've read. You know, it wasn't just scratching the surface. There was um, a lot of history and a lot more storytelling in there, and I, I loved it. The threading through of a cult as well, I found really intriguing uh, with that book. What about you, Kara? What has been your book of 2020? Yeah, I think I said it like a hundred times on my podcast, but um, The Paris Secret by Natasha Lester, um, that was at the start of the year. And then more recently, I read The Last Migration by Charlotte McConaughey. Uh, another Australian author. She's quite low-key. Not many people have heard of her, but that book's amazing um, and has been optioned for a film. So really excited to see that one. That one is also sitting on my shelves as yeah. something I'm really looking forward to reading. I think I find I'm such a mood reader, so I'm waiting uh, for the mood to kind of strike me to read it. What sort of mood should I be in to pick it up, do you think? Sense um, of adventure? 
Yeah, they're quite heavy and intense, but um, at the same time, like a really quick and addictive read. So um, you'll be able to knock it off pretty quickly in the holidays, I would have thought. Excellent. I'll add that to my December or my January TBR. (laughs) And what about you, Ali? What has been your favourite read of 2020? So hard to choose. But um, mine is The Haunting of Tramcar 015, uh, which is like a novella by P. Jelly Clark. Um, It was just like such a... Like, it's only 130 pages, but it, like, captured me so completely. Um, it's, like, an alternate reality uh, in Egypt. And there's, like, uh, follows, like, two detectives. And they're um, taking care of a haunting of this haunted tram car. And the characters are just amazing. And the, the witty dialogue just, I thought it was so funny. And, yeah, it was, I, I read all of his backlist after reading that novella. Um, and he just got a recent book coming out called Ring Shout as well. Um, Yeah, so I thought that was, it was really unexpected for me. Um, It's always really exciting when we discover new authors and especially from something as sweet and simple as a novella to then go and read their um, entire back catalogue as well. Looking ahead into next year, again, something readers tend to do is set goals for 2021. I found that a lot of people's goals seem to go out the window this year or people have said that they don't want to set themselves reading goals anymore. Um, And I do tend to find sometimes it can stunt my reading because I'll go, oh, I'll just pick a short little book so I can get closer to that goal. And as soon as I get to that 50 books or whatever the goal might be, I kind of can take my foot off the pedal and I might read a little bit more um, for pleasure. Uh, but having said that, I will probably still set myself a goal because I'm a very goal-orientated person. Kira, do you have a reading goal for 2021 yet? Yeah, pretty modest one with a new baby on the way. I'm just going to keep it easy and go 20 this year. Usually I'm probably still not even that many compared to some others around the 50, 60. But yeah, I'll, I'll be honest and go about 20 this year, I think. And what about you, Ali? Have you got a reading goal for 2021 yet? Yeah, I remember I was talking to you and I couldn't decide between 100 or 50, but I think, I think I'm going to go for 50 and then if I, then I'll just feel really good if I go past that because I, I usually try to go for 100 and I, I've met that a couple of years in a row, but this year was 80 and that was a real stretch. Um, so I think I want to be, you know, choosing books that I know, like I think are going to be five stars and not read so many books that I'm like, I think I might like this. It might be three stars. And I just end up reading heaps of three star books. Um, So I want to try and read more books that I'm predicting I'm going to really love. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like you said to me the other day, like quality over quantity. Yeah. Even though I love novellas and graphic novels and all that sort of stuff, but yeah. And what about you, Adele? Do you have a 2021 reading goal? I've actually never set myself a reading goal. I'm not someone, I don't love pressure. I don't love feeling like I have to, oh man, you know, there's, well, now we've got three weeks left of this year and I would hate to have the pressure of, oh, five more books, got to get it done. So I'm a little bit more, I don't know, I suppose I just read for fun a little bit. Um, This year, obviously I've read heaps more, but then there's the unknown of next year in Melbourne will I be working in the office? Am I going to be going back to my two hour daily commute? Like I I have no idea um, what sort of time I'll have to read. So I'd like to stick to, you know, if I can a book a week, that sort of time frame. but I want to make sure that, um, yeah, as you guys said, I want to be reading really good books and books that I'm loving 
not just squeezing in a book for the sake of it. And I think that's a really good positive attitude to have towards it as well as that you, you don't have to set yourself a goal to enjoy reading or to know that you'll pick up and read a book. Uh, talking about books, Bookstagram is the way that we do share with each other what we are reading and each of you have featured on a different episode throughout season one. So I'll go in chronological order. Um, it is the teacher in me. Uh, Ali, you were on episode two of the Bookstorian podcast and we had a chat about thriller reads. Just to refresh everyone's memory, how would you describe your bookstagram at what the Dickinson in three words? Uh, I would describe it as colourful, inclusive and floral because I usually use flowers as backdrops most of the time. And Kira, you were from episode six where we spoke about The Paris Secret by Natasha Lester. How would you describe your bookstagram account at Bitches Who Brunch With Books? Yeah, we are all about uh, bubbles, brunch and books. Also really appreciating the alliteration. Yeah, <laughs> all about <laughs> uh, And Adele, you were on episode nine uh, where we talked about Jasper Jones by Craig Sylvie. Uh, your bookstagram handle is at pages.with.del. How would you describe your bookstagram feed in three words? Uh, I would say it's... Um light or bright that's one word um colorful and mixed up a bit of a mixture i think we've got a good representation of color and food across the the four of us uh, and a book title that has also got three words in it is in a holidays by christina lauren and this was a book that we decided uh, that we would read so that we could discuss it on the podcast today uh, just to give anyone a little bit of a heads up about the book and what it is about it's set during christmas time and we have a lead character who is called May and she does a little bit of time traveling in the book. And essentially the, the whole plot of the book is her deciding or her trying to find out what the universe is trying to say to her when it continually sends her and shifts her back in time. And it is definitely a bit of a rom-com is the way that we could describe it. And it's certainly a quick book. I don't know whether I would say it would be my favorite book that I've read of the year, but I still think there's plenty of plot lines and character traits that we can discuss in the book as well. A fun fact that I really like about Christina Lauren as an author is it's actually two ladies who are best friends that write a series of different rom-coms. Uh, one of the other books that I've read and I really enjoyed was The Unhoneymooners. And I know that they do have a new book coming out next year, which I can't quite recall the title of. Initially, why do you think May continues to relive the same period of time? Because it, I've written in the notes because she was unhappy with her life, <laughs> um, her work situation, her romantic life. She was like really passive. Although I, I thought it was a bit unclear, like why she kept, you know, skipping back every time. Like it was never really explained, but I guess it was just sort of just, yeah, you made a wrong decision and it happened, went back. But, but what were the right decisions? There are none. I don't know. I agree. I think that leads into something else I want to talk to you all about, which is the ending. So I think you've definitely touched on something that I struggled a little bit with this book. What about you, Kira? Why do you think the universe initially keeps sending her back to relive the same time? Um, so obviously we think she's traveling back to get something right in her life, whether it be with the cabin or with her relationships. Um, I really liked that for a little while, 
we were teased as to whether or not it was Theo or Andrew that she was maybe meant to end up with and that the accidental kiss with Theo was maybe meant to be fate. I was really unsure about the whole groundhog aspect uh, to begin with. Um, but in the end, I, I really enjoyed it and I think it added an extra level of suspense that we all don't necessarily get in this genre because we never quite knew when she was going to be sent back. Yeah, and even right up into the end, I kept thinking, is a moment going to happen and she's going to be flung back? What about you, Adele? Why do you think May had to relive that same period of time? Actually, thinking about it, I found it a little bit confusing as well. Um, I assume, as they said in the book, it was because, you know, something, she was not getting something right in life and, you know, her wish was show, to show her what would make her happy. Um, and, you know, we got kicked back a couple of times and I wasn't really sure why, like falling down the stairs, what did you do wrong? I'm not sure. Um, but then, you know, we went through three quarters of the book where she stayed in the same timeline and she made a few mistakes at the end and I thought, is she going to, you know, is she going to fall down the stairs again or set, get set back in time, even though she made mistakes. But that time the universe seemed happy with her mistakes. Um, so I guess maybe it was about, you know, learning to express what she wanted and sort of overcome those things herself rather than avoiding them a little bit. And I think too, when she fell down the stairs or it was almost as if she told Benny and then the universe was like, well, no, you don't. And I thought, oh, maybe it's because she's telling somebody about what's going on and the universe disagrees with that. But then, um, in the storyline that follows through, Benny knew about it. And then she also was able to tell Andrew about it as well. We see that May relives a number of different days. And I quite enjoyed the traditions that were associated with certain days. So we had a day that was Snow Creature Day, which was December 22nd. A little bit of a fun question for each of you is what snow creature would you build? Um, I would probably build a um, snow greyhound because I have a greyhound and um, probably build him lying down because he just lies down probably 22 hours of the day. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably do a dolphin, um, mainly just because it's my go-to if I'm doing sandcastles this time of year. So, yeah, I guess our versions of snowmen <laughs> or snow creatures. And Adele, um, what about you? My initial thought was a zebra. <laughs> yeah, sorry. My initial thought was a zebra, but then I thought, you can't draw stripes on snow. Is that cheating? I'm not sure. So then I swapped it for a lion. But then I also wanted to do a tiger. But then I had the same issue as the zebra. You can't draw stripes in snow. So I'm back to a lion. I think too, anything standing up, it would be really hard for the snow to mould that way. Because it's not like a cake or like fondant when you would actually mould something to be like that. I initially went with a reindeer. Then I thought that would get really complicated with the antlers. And how on earth would you make that out of snow? Um, I suppose you could get some sticks or something. Uh, but then I thought maybe a wombat could be kind of cute. Like it really rounded like a, like a snowman. Um, you could make some cute little ears and eyes and things like that. Could be quite simple. I, um, I found those things quite hard to visualise in the book because I couldn't, like you were saying, I couldn't imagine if they were animals that, yeah, I wasn't sure if they were animals lying flat or if they were doing them like upright like snowmen. So I was like, how are they doing these animals in the sand? <laughs> am, am I making it up? Or did, did, at one point, was it mentioned that someone was trying to make a giraffe? I don't know if I imagined that because how? 
Uh, I think one of them tried to, yeah. 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 Listen, I was watching like a cake making thing last night um, and like they had the all the sticks in there to really hold it up. So maybe there was like some sort of branch scenario happening. I don't know. One of the things that I really enjoyed about this book and I think that made it all the more Christmassy was the figurative language that was used throughout the book. Do any of you have any quotes that stood out to you that you might have highlighted or put a little post-it note in and thought, oh, that was really sweet? Kira, have you got anything? Uh, no, I didn't specifically. Um, I'm really not good at taking notes while I'm reading. Like I don't highlight or anything. And actually having the, the e-book made that hard. But um, I liked the Christopher Walken jokes that they had running between them. I thought that was just a nice little connection that they had going there. So, Ali, have you got any quotes that you liked from the book? I don't have any specific quotes. I'm the same. I always forget specific quotes unless I write them down. I had an ebook as well. Um, but I, I was really into their banter, you know, at the start. I thought it was really funny and um, I don't know. And then it just, it, it like sort of changed tone a little bit. Um, but at the start, I thought there were a lot of good jokes um, in there. No, that's okay. And sometimes that's that's a good thing about books is we can just allow it to wash over us and we don't have to be picking and pulling things apart um, all the time to get some kind of level of enjoyment out of it or out of the language that's used. Adele, I noticed that you grabbed your book. Have you got anything there? I'm a little bit the same um, as Kira and Ali. I don't take notes. I don't annotate my books. I just enjoy it for what it is, unless it's one that I specifically go into with the mindset of, okay, I'm going to learn a lot from this book. I need to pull out my pen. Um, but there was one quote that I was like, I remembered. And luckily when I opened my book, it opened to the exact right page. So that was pretty cool. Um, it was one Andrew said to May um, after she'd sort of told him she loved him. It's not a Christmas quote at all, but um, it's when he said, it never occurred to me that you might be mine. And it sort of just set the tone of the book a little bit. It was it was cute, yes, but it was also like everybody, including Andrew, who she was in love with for 13 years of her life, assumed that she was Theo's. And, you know, at some points in the book, we may have as well after the kiss. Um, so I think that was just a nice little one-liner. It definitely made me believe in their relationship a little bit more and why he suddenly was was interested or maybe explained why he hadn't, have, he didn't show interest in the past because he didn't think um, that she would be open to a relationship. Uh, the quote that I highlighted, and I, I definitely highlight my books, um, and I have a little book journal as well um, that I enjoy writing in. I used to love scrapbooking and probably haven't touched any kind of scrapbooking for about 10 years. And then I saw a book journal started to be a thing and especially spending a lot of time at home uh, this year, I picked up a pen and a bullet journal and I definitely savor any little quotes that I can find to write them down. But this was mine uh, that I highlighted. I want to capture this moment. I want to put it in a snow globe and be able to see it just like this forever. Uh, and that's from page 85. But it was just a really lovely little way to describe a moment and some of those sweet little moments that you have in life with your loved one or um, even like funny moments at school or funny moments in life in general or just really lovely heartwarming and sweet moments you have with your friends. So I thought that was a really beautiful way to, to kind of summarise how sometimes you want to take a moment, have it on a little snow globe and sit it on your desk with you forever. 
talking about some of our characters now, and definitely we had a bit of a love triangle happening in the holidays between Theo, who is Andrew's brother. What did you think of Theo's reaction to May and Andrew? So he came across them in a store um, and saw them uh, very close together and basically uh, stormed out and requested to speak to May as well. What did you think of his reaction um, and was it justified? Adele, what do you think? I was so mad at Theo. I was like angry as. I was like, this is such a typical boy thing to do. All of a sudden, the girl that's been their best friend their whole life finds someone else and he gets mad, of course. Um, you know, he, I also didn't like towards the end, you know, May, she didn't justify it, but she said, I should have expected it. This is, you know, his personality. He fires up and then he calms down later. I don't think that justifies, you know, him storming off and yelling at his best friend. Um, I didn't, I don't know, I'd probably react the same way, maybe if I was a little bit jealous, I'm not sure, but I'd hated book Theo for that. What about you, Ali? What What did you think of the reaction that Theo had? Yeah, I thought that was, yeah, really uncalled for his reaction. And I thought it was, yeah, that sort of friend zoning, like vibe, you know, he was leading her on and all that sort of stuff. I wasn't into that, like, um, what I did like about it is like when he came back and he sort of, he like apologized and sort of, you know, I think he apologized anyway, but, uh, you know, sort of said he was out of line and blah, blah, blah. Maybe I'm imagining that, but, um, yeah, I definitely thought it was not justified his reaction. Like it was not May's fault. Like her parent, both of their parents had some like creepy arranged marriage since birth. And I think too, I think Theo sort of exudes that like cool guy, kind of trying to impress other women by having lots of relationships on the go. And, and I think it just really showed that Theo did not know May and probably didn't really belong with a character like May. What about you, Kira? What did you think about Theo's reaction? Yeah, I just think he didn't like that she chose someone else in the end. Um, but, I mean, he got over it pretty quickly. I just think he was so caught up in everyone else's expectations um, of them ending up together rather than actually loving her. Um, and, you know, the, the quote that Adele shared um, was one of my favourites as well, which was just lovely. Um, and, you know, it kind of showed that everyone was kind of caught up in that. So, yeah, it was quite interesting to watch that relationship play out between May and Andrew and then with the added complication of the love triangle, who has also happened to be the brother. And I thought the, the ending was very rushed. It was suddenly the end um, of the story. And I think for me, it's one of the biggest talking points of the whole book because I don't know whether everything was neatly tied up as much as it needed to be or perhaps justified as much as I wanted it to be. Ali, what did you think of that ending? Yeah, the ending was my least favourite part of the whole book. Um, at the beginning, was a, it was almost going to be a five-star read for me. I thought it was so consistent and interesting and hooked me in. But that ending... Um, you know, as you said before, you were, we kept on waiting for it to sort of um, snap back to being in the plane. Like I thought they did, the, you know, quite a few short snapbacks at the start, like one, two, three. And then the whole book was just this one scenario. Like they sort of abandoned that whole trope and just followed, you know, a typical romance story that really didn't have any elements of, you know, alternate reality sort of stuff in there which annoyed me because I really like 
those genres. So it was quite soft in that regard. And also like her getting together with Andrew, I felt like everything just came together so easily. Like everything was served up on a silver platter and nothing was hard won. Like, oh, you're so in love, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really like, you know, how she was saying like, he asked, you know, for my parents' permission and then they were pressuring me to have grandkids and it was all like very, I don't know. Yeah. Very, I don't know. <laughs> and why make the parents late? Like, why couldn't the parents have just been there? Like, why, why do I have to actually make them late? I, I just didn't, I just don't know why that was a choice. Yeah, that was just a really odd sort of add-in that made no sense. <laughs> and what about you, Kira? What did you think about that ending? Um, well, yeah, need me a happy ending. So that's all good. Um, this genre is really kind of one of my niches. So in a lot of ways, I'm kind of used to like the rushed happy endings. Everything gets tied up in a bow really quickly because it's, um, I guess, pretty much standard for this genre. Um, but I was expecting like another trip back to the plane and another time, at least one more time loop to occur. And then you get a good suspense because it's like, surely she's not going to go back now, like surely. And then you get so far, it's like, oh, yeah, they're not going to do it now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I really loved it. I just, one of my comments was, though, I found... I found May and Benny's relationship a little strange, like the pseudo uncle. I don't know. That relationship just didn't really <laughs> sit that well with me. Yeah, I guess it was just he was kind of like the fun uncle um, who who understood her. But, yeah, I don't know. Just it was a little bit weird for me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And now that you've said it and voiced it, I yeah, I, I see that um, that relationship with Benny I thought it was really odd that he also just suddenly had the money to buy the cabin like I feel like he wasn't set up as someone who had had much or would be interested in buying a home he's kind of set up as like a bit of a free spirit at the beginning of the story and then suddenly had all this money just when the characters needed it I thought was was quite interesting uh, Adele what about you what did you think about that ending just on the Benny note, I'd love to know how much he invested in Spotify to be able to afford that cabin and then all the refurbs. Um, so that was pretty amazing. Um, but on the ending, I think that we expect when we pick up a holiday book that it is going to be tied with a nice little bow at the end um, and everyone's going to live happily ever after. So I knew that going into it. Um, but I really could have happily lived without the epilogue. I didn't need that six months later I didn't need to hear that he proposed and then it just got even weirder when I found out that he asked permission only on their two-month anniversary like yes I know you've known her your whole life that's cool but two months together is like a blink it's nothing um and a week of that they were you know in the cabin fighting so uh I don't know I I didn't love that inclusion I, I just I could have happily ended at the end of the last chapter where they'd resolved everything the cabin had been bought um she was going back to Denver to spend some time with him and do you guys think because she discovered what would make her happy and actually did those things to make her happy like tell Andrew how she feels or quit her job 
um, that that's that gave the universe the the green light that they didn't have to send her back again because for me I was like oh how do how do we know that that's not going to happen again what if she's walking down the aisle and Andrew's at the other end and then suddenly she's flipped back in time again I thought, thought for sure at some point she was going back to the original timeline and was going to have to fix things from there because I don't know I don't read too many time loops books but generally the original timeline is the timeline you end up in right and you have to sort stuff out and then this one it was just like oh I get three goes and get to live happily ever after <laughs> yeah I think that's why I was struggling with the happily ever after thing because I it still felt like a bit of a dreamland like she made all these like and it was the time loop when she was really like comes into the cabin everyone thinks she's gone mental and you know all this sort of thing I feel like that would be like a write-off one but that was like the actual one that went to the end yeah and part I thought of- for sure Benny was going to be, oh, sorry. I thought for sure Benny was going to be like a time traveler or something. Like it was going to be like, oh, that's why I invested in Spotify. I'm also a time traveler or something. <laughs> <laughs> I must have glazed over the Spotify thing because Adele, when you mentioned Spotify, I was like, when did that happen in the book? Yeah, the, the ending was quite interesting. Um, and that the fact that, like you said, Ali, is that the one that ended up being the, the actual loop that stuck was the one where she made those really snap decisions and acted a bit crazy when she arrived at the cabin. I don't know if that's meant to be a commentary about the fact that you do only live once. So if you do love somebody, tell them. Um, if you don't like your job, find something else. I don't know whether that was also meant to be a little bit of a lesson woven within that time loop or not. Is there any other questions or any other discussion points anyone wants to throw out there? Um, I do just think, though, it is the perfect read for that cosy Christmas feeling that a lot of people might be looking for when once they've finished trolling through Netflix and have watched all the films, have watched all the Christmas films, go read this one. Like, it's just a nice, warm, fuzzy Christmas read. I, I agree. Like we may have been, I mean, I suppose that's what you're doing, chat about books. You, you critique a little bit, but it was still probably, you know, I, I got through it in three days um, during a, you know, a time when I had massive uni assignments due. So I was obviously still picking it up when I should have been doing other stuff, which to me is a sign of a good book. Um, you know, I sat on the couch, I was giggling. My partner was wondering what the hell was going on over there. Um, yeah, it was, if you feel good, it, it's like, perfect for December pick it up on Christmas Eve and, and enjoy I'd say yeah I would still recommend it as well even though I'm ripping it apart I just to do that for fun really but it, it is really fun and I enjoy holiday ram- romances um yeah especially with I'm smashing through all the Netflix you know holiday romances at the moment and I'm loving it loving the outfits and everything I did enjoy the thread of magic and I feel that it was very justified to have some kind of time loop thrown in to a book and especially a rom-com when it was around Christmas. I think that is very justified and I thought that was a very clever way of including just a little sprinkle of magic at this time of year as well. Makes me want a white Christmas though. I was going to say, has anyone read a Christmas book that's really good but based in the Southern Hemisphere where it's hot? (laughs) <laughs> there needs to be an Aussie Christmas book, absolutely. We need some representation. Yeah. <laughs> so if there are any... Actually, I've, actually I've read one called... Oh, no. It's called Mangles, Mangoes and Mistletoe, but I was just thinking Mangoes Australia, but it's actually set in Scotland, so never mind. It's a novella. <laughs> yeah. It's a really cute, like, female-female romance novella um, when they go to Scotland for a baking competition. You know, what's that um, UK... 
um, like Great British Bake Off. So it's like a baking competition. It's super sweet and cute. And yeah, that's a good one. So if there are any budding authors out there, uh, we would definitely like to request a Australian themed rom-com. Maybe by 2021 would be nice. <laughs> Perfect. Can I go off book topic here? Um, as both Ali and Kira have mentioned, Netflix movies. And now that I've finished uni, I'd love a Christmas re- Netflix recommendation. Yeah, my favourite one this year, The Holiday. Yeah. That was I good. I, that I really liked it. And it wasn't just strictly Christmas either. It kind of goes through all the other significant holidays. The other one that I'm going to make sure I rewatch this year is Noel. I think that one's on Disney Plus, but I quite enjoy that one. It's got Anna Kendrick in it. And I can't go past Elf. Anyone out there who is a fan of Elf and you also like musicals, there is Elf the Musical. The music is really good Christmas music. One of my favourite songs is Don't Fall in Love with an Elf. Um, Really well done. Where can I watch that? I don't know whether you can actually watch the full musical anywhere, but I definitely recommend the the music. If you need a bit of an update to your Christmas playlist, Elf the Musical. Okay. You should also watch um, The Spirit of Christmas. Um, it used to be on Netflix, but it's not anymore. So it's about a like woman who goes to an inn and she falls in love with a ghost <laughs> who's like the ghost of the... Yeah. Anyway, it's really good, actually. Like, there's a very compelling mystery. They find out how he died. And I don't know. It's just, like, it was more than just, like, cut and bake sort of thing. Like, really good. So thank you very much for joining me this afternoon, ladies. And I hope that you all have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you for having me. Hello, it's Tegan from the Book Story and Podcast. I just want to give you a huge thank you for making it through season one of my very first podcast. I'm actually currently looking for people who are interested in talking to me for season two, whether it be about books, whether it be about your bookish projects that you have on the go or a bookish business. The best way to get in touch is through Instagram at the and Podcast. I hope that you have enjoyed the first season of the Bookstorian Podcast and I look forward to interviewing more bookstagrammers in 2021.